Hey, this is Adam Green, creator of the Hatchet franchise and the TV show Holliston, and you are listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Out of your consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that appreciates when nature gets vindictive and points out the folly of man. (laughs) My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're uh, taking stock at the movie scene and memories made as we look back and reflect on the year that was 2023. And whether you've dropped tears in a theater or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your reminiscing hole. <laughs> uh, and you can technically find us out reminiscing. Reminiscing. Out on social media. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk, and on both Blue Sky and Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. But it is only on that book of face where you will find an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and year in review shenanigans. And as this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, December 22nd, uh, if you find yourself in the Kansas City area, head on over to Screenland.com where they will have your year end shenanigans taken care of indoors. And and that's it. it. (laughs) But better yet, uh, head on over to the Friday Night Fright tab and genius the... uh, Day that this episode is releasing. Mm-hmm. Hello. Our latest Friday Night Fright is so well just part of the show. Yeah, it's established. The vernacular. Uh-huh. And it's from our neighbors to the north. And what can we not say about Black Christmas? It's, what can we not say about Black <laughs> Christmas? It's not uh, for the faint of heart. Nope. It is ribald. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're going to laugh. Something dirty in it. It's funny. It's it's, so it's it's violent. It's scary. It's vulgar. It's vulgar. It's funny as hell. Mm-hmm. And it's also like so well executed. It's this prototype. It's this like the reverence that people have for Halloween is also should be deserved on to Black Christmas because it is proper good. Very prescient today to this day, especially to this day. And um just so charming that's the thing about canadian horror canadian slashers that's what it's all about it's about the chum (laughs) so the charm is just oozing through this movie yeah you can't say you're surrey enough with that one Uh -uh. but then closing out the year of 2023 some people like to close out 2023 with a big bang uh we're gonna close it out with the kitty 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 uh, film that made all the way it made all the little it made it all the way to the finals of the 2019 into the mouth of March Madness mm-hmm. tournament uh, ended up losing to Alien because in space no one can hear you. Kitty, 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 kitty. Takeshi uh, Takeshi Miike's audition. So Takashi Miike's, excuse me. It's so. It's one yeah. of those movies where. You're along for the ride, but when the rug gets pulled out from under you and reveals what kind of movie it actually is, you're already so invested that you're head for a thrown for a loop. 
once that burlap sack is that's just it yeah the, the roar of the lion and the moving movement in this this oh that one terrifying. that that's almost like the signal like this movie's about to change you know like ah and i definitely think i know it was my first mike i'm pretty sure it was a number of people's first mike but it'll not be your last mike no because he's probably just finished a film as we're talking right, right now. Released. He is, he's probably finished his second film. He's probably making two at a time. He'll have three done by the time we're done with the episode because mm-hmm. he is that prolific. Yeah. But everything he puts out is so different and so wild and so crazy. We're talking about Bob Clark as a diverse filmmaker. Right. Takeshi Miike is oh crazy diverse. Yeah. It's insane. And I am I have seen that at Terror Tuesday on the big screen. Mm-hmm. But as part of Friday Night Frights and closing out. Oh. Do you think we need the beaded curtain? I don't think it's sleazy enough, but it is. When you look at it, it's icky. We were talking about the fact that we could potentially throw out a beaded curtain for Black Christmas if we wanted to, yeah. based on the content. I think there's definitely ways that we could argue for it, but I think not to freak out the general populace, because I have a feeling this is going to bring a lot of people out. Yeah, I think so. I hope people come under false pretenses. <laughs> you know, like, oh, the, well, this is a romance movie. Let's go see a late night romance movie. You know someone's going to drag their friend there as a first time viewer and not telling them a thing. Right. So we'll experience that turn and twist <laughs> all together. <laughs> now, uh, other repertory screenings that are going to be happening on the weekend of the 22nd, and one that is... I, I know a Christmas tradition for so many people, mm-hmm. but I only watched it for the first time a few years ago at Screenland, mm-hmm. and that is It's a Wonderful Life. It's good. It's dark. It Well, and I was kind of prepared for that because I knew it by reputation. Right. I've seen the SNL skit. It, and I, that's ruined it for me. Has it? Yeah, it has. <laughs> well, it should be warned then. I did put that as part of the pre-show. Because I was like, just fucking beat his ass. Kick him out of his wheelchair and fucking slap him around a little bit. <laughs> that's how they worked in the movie. And this is, I'd like to think then at least you have an influence somehow <laughs> on a, even how I am trying <laughs> to put things out there. Good. <laughs> now, that is the only repertory screening that's going on. However... Very much loaded with what we will call like Academy Award bait. Tis a lot the of season. these films. Yeah. Uh, we have the most uh, recent version of The Color Purple. Mm-hmm. The musical one. I, I want to see it, actually. I like the OG and I like musicals. I've. It's been a... I cannot tell you the last time I watched the original. But that's Spielberg, is it not? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Wonka will be playing. I have mixed feelings about that. I mean, one, because like I guess because I, I was burnt by the, uh, the Depp version. version. Because I love Willy Wonka so much. That's like one of my favorite movies. I can quote it. I can sing along to it. I, me- I met Veruca Salt and Mike TV a couple of times. Through, like Back in the day, yeah. yeah. It's, it's part of your persona. Yeah. Uh, especially the showman aspect right? of genius. I've always movie. told you if I ever became a supervillain, I would turn myself into Wonka, but like J-U-A-N-K-A, mm-hmm. and just go around and be like... <laughs> <laughs> and just go around like like doing devious things like as a Wonka. Try Snozberry. Yeah. We have we have New Year's goals to set, my friend. Right. I just need to find me a purple suit and a top hat. I got the top hat. I just need the purple suit. Now I will say this, a top hat might be appropriate for the next one, and this is one I'm Ooh, really fancy? excited for. Not necessarily. Uh this is one uh poor things. I wanna see that. I wanna see sexy Frankenstein. And I really legit love his last the uh, 
I can't pronounce Lobs- it. Yargos Lathmos. Lathmos. I didn't see Lathmos. the I didn't see the lobster, but I heard I heard that I would either love it or I would just be so angry at it. I caught the favorite, uh-huh. and it was one of the last films I actually saw at the Tivoli. That's with Jenna Coleman, right? Uh, no, that is with uh, Emma Stone. It's got uh, Nick Olivia Nic- Coleman, Olivia Hux, Olivia Coleman. That, I mm-hmm. like Olivia Coleman. She's great. Uh, She's murder. <laughs> Can you believe the girl lady from Hot Fuzz is now like Academy Award winning? It's one of the best parts of going back right? to those older films. She's great in Hot Fuzz. A little, nothing like a little girl on girl, eh? <laughs> right? <laughs> and you technically get a lot of that in the favorite. And that's the problem. I kept going back to that scene throughout the favorite. And the, exactly. And I'm at the Tivoli. So I'm trying to be well-mannered. Hands up, hands up, hands up. No touching. Again, your influence, my friend, is bad. So I don't know if we should see poor things, because I also understand it's a hella horny. I heard it's rivaled. I heard it's quite rivaled. It's about Which, sexy, horny Frankenstein played by Emma Stone. I can get down with that. I got me some battery chargers. I'm ready to rock. Jesus Christ. And then the other... One that's going to be a new release and another one I'm very much looking forward to because I very much grew up with the Von Erich family. Yeah. And I'm familiar with the Von Erich curse. So if you're not, prepare yourself for the Iron Claw. So I recently watched that 30, uh, not 30 for 30, uh, uh, Dark Side of the yes. Dark Side of the yeah. Thing. Man, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. The only thing I, from the, and I've heard nothing but great things about this movie, but I have heard that they've admitted two of the brothers. They admitted um, Chris and who is the one that died way young? Um, oh, the real young one. I, yeah. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, however. Right. That's, and you probably have to do that. Yeah. You don't want to bum everybody out. You realize who's playing the dad, don't you? Who? Finest hair. That hair is going to get him paid and laid. Really? Get out of town. Mm-hmm. He made it to Hollywood. <laughs> You're like, come on, fat stuff. Get in the ring. Get in the ring. You, rich boy, kick his ass. <laughs> That was one of the selling points of the film. That's nuts. Yes. Okay. So All obviously right. good. I think we maybe have just sold another ticket. Now, uh, hopefully uh, we'll see you out being a festive uh, with the Screenland film family. But genius, if I'm talking film family. Happy holidays. <laughs> we have our own film family gathered at Patreon. And on the day this episode releases, regardless of their tier, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to be hearing my thoughts on Joe Lynch's latest film, Suitable Flesh, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Who Am I Horny For Here? As, oh my goodness, it's he definitely channels his inner Stuart Gordon. Uh-huh. He definitely channels late 90s Skinamax aesthetic. You had my attention, now you have my curiosity. It's soft, uh-huh. it's warm, and it's horny. Cool. And you've got Heather Graham. Uh Uh-huh. You've got Barbara Crampton. Don't dream it, be it. It was a nice surprise, and I will say this. I was lucky enough to see it in the theater, at Screenland, in Theater One. Joe Lynch provided a very warm, welcoming, saccharine video introduction for everyone. In fact, he threw out a, uh, thank God it's Friday multiple times of which i also did a call and response to because everything else is bullshit (laughs) but it was basically him just showing how much you know this kind of a movie meant to him the fact that he was able to take something that was meant for Stuart gordon Mm -hmm. and because he was on the short list of people that Stuart handpicked himself 
hey, if anyone's going to be driving this weird bus, let, let it be, be Joe, Joe Lynch. Yeah. And I understand you all recently on Media Rewind. Yes, coming up, we're diving into our Christmas. We just finished Joe Lynch's Everly, and uh, <laughs> that is such a good movie. And like even, and we even said per, uh, personal bias aside, because we met Joe Lynch and talked person. to him. He's a good people. Even aside, he's a hell of a director. Oh yeah, great like, filmmaker. Like a fantastic. I am a legit of a fan of every single thing he's done. I mean, creep show episodes included. And just, I really think you will like Suitable Flesh. Well, I know I'm going to like Suitable Flesh. It's going to be one that don't watch with your mom. Okay. Possibly don't watch with Mount Baldy. I don't know. Okay. It might be a solo viewing. Yeah. Just kick back, relax, make sure the cats are doing their thing. And then following up that is Thirst. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That may be forever. That was one of the most awkward pinnacle of awkward home viewing experiences and we're talking to people we watch hard bodies one and two and someone doffed their top Mm -hmm. when i was talking about hard bodies and it wasn't that awkward right like legit legit actual like nudity in the in the the the, the theater and then (laughs) no not in the theater the 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 home theater but at the same time like that thirst screening good night martha so uh acts to have access to that and so much more (laughs) Head on over to patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead as we are loaded for loading up for bear here in the month of January to kick mm-hmm. things off mm-hmm. in 2024. But let's go ahead. Let's look back, my God, at the year that was 2023. What a year. What a year. A lot happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of life happened. Yeah. A lot of movies were seen. A lot of memories were made. And a lot of shenanigans were thankfully hap- had and happened because of, I'd like to think, of this podcast. Yeah. Of the things that happened in the year of 2023, we hit our 400th episode 400. this year. And for better or worse, that's 400 episodes where Genius and myself just get to take a break yeah. from reality. Just get out of the real world and go to the horrorverse. And it's such a lovely place to be. Mm-hmm. It's so, so wonderful. Uh, We had our latest uh, Into the Mouth of March Madness. In fact, we had our first contemporary winner. I know. uh, Fede Alvarez's Evil Dead. Which, by the way, he's got an alien movie coming out in 2024. Alien Romulus. That was one of the things I wasn't aware of. I'm looking forward to that because he loves him some gore. I think that's kind of where the alien franchise needs to go. Mm -hmm. More like creature, go back to the old creature feature. Oh, and, and I have a feeling. He'll lean into the practical. Mm-hmm. It'll get slimy. Sweet. Up in there. <laughs> but that to be said, thankfully, we were able to get out and about mm-hmm. on the occasion. You personally, I have to just give so much kudos and appreciation to, went through probably one of the roughest and toughest spells you've encountered in quite some time. It was it was a tough one, but everything's coming up Millhouse. That's so, just it. Yeah. The perseverance that you were able to do. But I think, but all help to you too. Well, I mean, you were there to help me through some some rough shit. That's the thing, though. In lieu of this show, in lieu of the stuff we do at Screenland, there was a support system throughout. Yeah, and that's the one comfort that I take from 2023 between mm-hmm. the movie scene and the memories made. It's a level of support and love in a lot of way yeah. that is always there, and that comes from. You know, doing all of these things and in a way putting ourselves out there and saying, hey, occasionally, yeah, we're pretty vulnerable. (laughs) Yeah. We're both struggling occasionally, but 
this is this show gives me something to look forward to every week. Absolutely, this show was the saving grace of to, uh, for the significant later part of the twenty twenty three. There were multiple conversations had outdoors. Yeah, hours long. That was part of the process of getting you through that particular thing. But then it was also funneling it through the podcast, which mm-hmm. is all about watching movies, experiencing things. Especially, I will say this. I think this is the first year that we made a real conscious effort to watch a movie together yeah. and then roll right into an episode mm-hmm. versus watching it on our own. Then a couple of days later, get together. And going in fresh while everything is still there and hopefully still in being iffy. Iffy. Hope that, <laughs> iffy iffy's to. the goal. Iffy's the goal. Iffy's always the goal. But that is to say, the show gave me a lot to look forward to, to enjoy, and more than anything... Between the main feed, between Patreon, I saw some like 150 some odd movies yeah. over the course of the year. Yeah. Now, I know we've got some listeners out there that are like, that's easy. I can, I can do that in like three months, dude. But for me, there was a kind of a discipline to it of which to continue to seek out you know, new movies, to expand my horizons. Mm-hmm. But also, especially with Patreon, it's, uh, you know, the commentaries. It's the new horror. Yeah. And more than anything, we've accumulated a lot over 2023. Yeah. And since we've started, you know, we've always put together a best of episode. Uh-huh. Of which now, what you're not seeing right now is Biscuit just being... Sprawled out on my notes, not giving a shit, and just like, oh, pet me. Well, you know, that's fair. Because I've actually got, before we get into our official top fives, uh-huh. because of the fact on Patreon, uh, we do, regardless of your tier, uh, three days a week I put out a little thing uh, where I basically react to watching a movie for the first time. And it's not only horror, uh, it goes all over. In mm-hmm. fact, I started with uh, King of New York. It's a little Abel Ferrara. Walking, right? Walking, walking. Um Larry, don't call me Lawrence yet. Fishburne, oh. Wesley Snipes. It's it's quite good. It's quite good. But because of that, though, man, I have like experienced so many wonderful surprises. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna officially before we start getting all of our top five into yeah. horror, I have an actual top five non-horror. Cool. I, not even a top five. Like my favorite five non-horror I've, films. Non-horror from I seen that challenge that I experienced. Sweet, 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 sweet. Uh, that. I was well, going to ask you about that. Well, and that's just it because I I love the podcast because it makes me stay in, like you said, in this wonderful world of horror. Mm-hmm. But you also, you know, we like stuff outside of horror. Oh yeah, we got that uh, off brand April coming. Yes, we. Do. I've already got a number of things I cannot wait to talk about. But there are certain actors at this point that I'm immediately going to seek out whatever they're in, and I'm talking. Actors that are a little bit younger now, mm-hmm. that are kind of fresh. Maybe, but, maybe you can help me figure out who the hell Timothy Chalamet is in a lineup between him and Harry Styles and a whole bunch of other those. And you know who else? Like, and, and throw that dude Glenn Powell in the mix because he looks like Michael Rosenbaum so much. And like, and he's a little bit more on the beefy side than those two because they're a little bit more lean and right, angular. But there's so many like, there's so many Volcano Dante's Peak actors because you have like the Glenn Powell versus the Michael Rosenbaums. You have the Timothy Chalamet's versus the the Harry Styles. I couldn't tell you now. I like I'm like okay, that one's Glenn Powell and that one's Timothy Chalamet. Like you're wrong, Jay. That's <laughs> that that one's Michael Rosenbaum and then that one over Damn. there. Damn, God, I was so close. You know, but I could separate those two apples and oranges. But like, but I don't know. 
I will I will tell you this. I highly recommend checking out Blood and Bones and All uh-huh. from last year. I think it may have been an honorable mention or possibly in my top, my one of my fave fives. That's about cannibals and that creepy old man, right? Mm-hmm. Hello there. Kind of like Herbert the Pervert again. Going to go down to Michelle and kiss your popsicles. What does he say? Uh, it's never dully when you're with Sully. Oh, oh no. he's so creepy, but... Chalamet is great in it. Okay, he's really, really good. In fact, he well, actually, Mount he, Baldy said good things about Dune, and he doesn't like like sword and sandals and shit. I actually really liked Dune that came out. Yeah, it was it wasn't bad. A lot of people are like, oh, you're in it. That's yeah. great. Yeah, and one of the people I will be looking forward to actually in 2024 uh, is Margaret Qualley. Mm-hmm. She was one of the Manson girls in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. She's the one actually that is uh, really engaged with uh, Brad Pitt, Pussycat. Is she the Love Witch? She, she's not in Love Witch, but she's got that kind of look. Okay. But from the get-go, uh, the first time I saw this trailer for the movie Sanctuary, uh-huh. I was in. It looked, it's got Margaret Qualley. It looks horny. It looks ribald. <laughs> there's there's a theme going out in 2023 I at this point. So. And that's what happens when everybody's stuck at home in 2020. But it's the one that features where she's basically kind of a dominatrix. Oh, I know what you're talking about. With saw the, safe the trailer. Yes, yeah, the yeah, safe yeah. Word. The safe word. That looks cool. It's great. But it takes a twist. And I didn't see the twist coming. And the twist lends it. It lands into something I wasn't prepared for. Uh-huh. And I was totally cool with it because of the way the actors work. And Margaret Qualley in this is, again, I am. she's, gonna, she's working with... One of the Coens. Uh, it was supposed to come out in 2023. It's now in 2024. Mm-hmm. But I'm so there for it, like first day. So if you haven't seen it, Sanctuary, highly recommend it. Okay. Another one that was a nice surprise uh, that I saw at Screenland was called Polite Society. And that's that actioneer one. Yes. And it's not what you think because the best way I could describe it is that it would pair wonderfully with Black Dynamite. Okay. And it takes. It's basically this young girl. Uh, she's uh, she's uh, Indian. She's in a British boarding school. She's being beaten up by bullies. She wants to be a stunt woman, and shenanigans ensue. So it's kind of it's stylized. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily set in reality, but then there are there's this school locker scene when they're going undercover into the boys' locker room, mm-hmm. and at one point this girl is just like. She can't contain herself. You know, she's just taking... And you don't break out the undongong in this one. She's got a lot of, like, man-ass in it. Uh-huh. And it's it's funny. And I saw it in a nearly packed theater, random Sunday afternoon. Hmm. I, didn't, I thought I would have the theater to myself. And it was practically packed, and everyone loved it. And like I said, the, the level of action was a lot of fun. It's kind of like not all the way Scott Pilgrim-ish, because it wasn't that kind of that stylized. stylized. But in that kind of aesthetic. Uh-huh. It was such a nice surprise. And like I said, I giggled, I laughed, and like I said, it plays with Black Dynamite. Is it so like, take that as you will. Okay. Is it like violent action or goofy action? Goofy action. Okay. Goofy action. Goofy action. Uh, <laughs> what was not goofy was this year saw two movies by the title of Inside for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Go back uh, just a few weeks ago when we went over to France and for who... We're yeah. still reeling yeah. from that. I can't. I put all my scissors away. <laughs> but, uh, this is the one where you have... Defoe was stuck. He was an art dealer. Art, art thief. thief. Yes. Yeah. Art stealer. <laughs> He's an art stealer guy. 
<laughs> he, he takes them all them pretty pictures. But and it's it's and it's that's that's it. Yeah, and he so, gets stuck. He's stuck. He's isolated. So it's a bottle one man show type thing. But it's Defoe. Exactly. Let out Bobby Peru. Banging on the walls. Thankfully, (laughs) we don't get into Bobby Peru territory. However, there is a pool of poo that comes into play. Okay. Which is gnarly, but it is Willem Defoe. He needs his leather leader hose in from Streets of Fire. But that's what's funny, though, is to see. In fact, I watched, uh, speaking of first-time viewings, The Loveless for the first time this year. I talked to you about that. Mm-hmm. It's the Catherine Bigelow film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That where he's basically playing Raven, pre-Streets of Fire. Right. But it's it's so cool to, n- number one, see him still working at this point yeah. in his day and age, but to still lean into, like, weird, Genre, unusual. Like, getting yeah. weird with it. And he's not afraid of it. Because he'll be in, like art house movies where he shows dong and then he's in family friendly movies where he's the green goblin and then he's in art and major oscar <laughs> yep. winning big motion pictures and then he'll show up as a voice cameo or something goofy and we're gonna see him in december and robert eggers knows for oh yeah i'm there i like we're robert eggers yeah we see him all over the place he's in the boy and the heron that new miziaki movie he's one of those actors he's that i don't think foe Defoe. Yeah. <laughs> and because of the fact that he has never been afraid to lean to in. To lean in his creep. That makes him so much more memorable. Right. And just more appreciative of him. So, yeah. No, Inside was wonderful. It was great. It was great. Now, the whole point of the I've Seen That feed is to film in to fill in filmographies mm-hmm. of some of my favorite filmmakers. But it's also to fill in the filmography of some filmmakers that I have not seen one film from. So, if I throw out the name... Todd Haynes. What does that do for you? Ooh. He's that one that made that one movie where it was like creepy, wasn't it? Possibly. I'm trying to think of that because I remember Todd Haynes, that name. I'm like, ew. That that instantly makes me go, ew. Because I remember seeing remember seeing a movie going, who fuck directed that movie? I typically always, because I've never seen any one of his films, mm-hmm. but I, I know he has that kind of a reputation where there is... Like maybe some semi-period pieces where someone goes up against like some s- standards. Oh, oh, he did Velvet Goldmine. I like Velvet Goldmine. There you go. There you um, go. Okay, I'm not there. Oh, I see. Yeah, he does. He's 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 very um artsy fartsy. He can. That's that's the reputation. Yeah. Plus Julianne Moore. Uh, for I, the I most part, like, I did like Velvet Goldmine though. They hang dong on that, correct? Yeah, yeah. Of dong, well, of course, it's it's. Uh... <gasps> oh, he made a movie back in the day about Karen Carpenter. See, I got to see that movie. Well, and I love Karen Carpenter. Oh, you ever see her play the drums? I see. You told me about it. Oh, she's badass. She had a so voice badass. Of, I think whenever I think of voices of angels and shit, I think of either Sarah McLaughlin, Mama Cass, or uh, Karen Carpenter. Throw Beth Orton in there too. Yeah, but I took in my first Todd Haynes movie. And it just came out. It's on Netflix. It's called May December. I heard about that. That's with Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Mm-hmm. Is it good? So, I the other things of the of the other things I knew about his films, uh-huh. I always understood that they were comedic. Uh-huh. But I couldn't remember if it was like like darkly comedic, um, satirical comedic, or what kind of element it is. But there's this scene with Julianne Moore. There, she's got this big cookout going. There's all these people in her family. So you get this side shot of her, and she's opening up the fridge. Mm-hmm. You don't see anything in the fridge. And she's very dramatic. He's like, I don't know if we have enough hot dogs. The camera zooms in, and then you get the most 
incredible, overdramatic, cheesy stinger that has variations throughout. And then you cut to this grill struggling to hold up all these hot dogs. And I let out this almost, it was like a, ha ha, kind of <laughs> laugh. Uh-huh. Because it, it was a surprise laugh. And it was also a laugh like, was I supposed to find that funny? Was or is that- this a metaphor for something? You know, and it turns out, no, that's his kind of humor. Like, yeah. it will lean into this really weird elements of camp. And throughout the yeah. movie, I was laughing. And here's the other thing. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised because of the velvet thing. Dong. I was shocked because I didn't realize. So they hang dong in the Netflix? They hang dong in the May-December movie. Nice. Yes. Yes. That's why, that's why it was in my top, one of my, my fave fives. One thing I know about Julianna Moore is if you're well, playing her kid, watch out. Keep Julianne Moore away from children. Every Uh-oh. single movie that I've seen Julianne Moore in where she's either looking for her kid or her kid's gone missing or her kid's on drugs or kid's doing something. If you're a Julianne Moore's kid in a movie, you're fucked. Foul things yeah, will befall thing, you. Bad things will happen. <laughs> now, I'm going to do a little tie for my uh, two faves, mm-hmm. non-horror. And comedy's hard. Yeah, because I mean, it's objective. Because we well we even talk about like horror comedy is that's hard but like just hard. comedy comedy is hard because again the subjectivity and then also the fear of offending people possibly ooh let me guess let me guess let me guess are you talking about the Jennifer Lawrence movie I'm talking that and bottoms bottoms that's the one about the gay fight club yes because that also features one of my favorite actors uh, Rachel Sennett mm-hmm. she can do no wrong for me her timing is incredible and there are elements in both of those films where i went from like a rice my smile just like hey, that's good yeah to a guffaw into a cackle and a lot of it is based on the raunch level of it is it super raunchy oh well, especially bottoms and even the premise of no hard feelings if you if you gender swipped it switched it mm-hmm. you'd get in a lot of trouble but the way it works with jennifer lawrence it's perfect it's not as predatory as you would think. Okay. And like I said, there is that whole <laughs> naked beach siege sequence. I heard it's hilarious. It, I was howling. It was incredible. But it was so nice to be able to see two kind of old school raunchy comedies. They need to that come were, back. Well, and they were also kind of heartfelt. And that's where, that's what got me, is you got the, the lunacy, the lewdness, but then... The heartfelt stuff. So, outside of horror, some good stuff was happening. Some good stuff was happening. Outside of horror, I think I had a blast. Was it John Wick 4 came out this year, Oh, right? yeah, it did. The Dragon Breath sequence. Mm-hmm. My God, I'm still thinking about that. The, just the technical aspect of it was gorgeous and stunning. Ugh. I mean, just... And let me just say this. I hope they don't bring him back. I really don't think he needs to at this point. I know everyone's like, boo, give us more, but... I, I don't know. I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm not saying I'm not satisfied enough, but I the ending was fine. But I feel like there was not enough catharsis, like either the high table needs to come down or John Wick needs to like go out in a blaze of glory. I'll, you know, I'll take a follow up with um, um, we what's a, with Winston. Maybe he had another job. No, Donnie Yen's Central. character. Oh, fuck. Yeah, Donnie Yen. That's one of my favorite lines of the whole thing. And he goes, you know, you can't do it. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, just. When he just tells Skarsgård to fuck off, I loved it. That made me guffaw in the yeah. theater. 
And then Scott Atkins. I am so glad that more people are now going to be like, who's that fat dude that was jumping around doing flippity kicks? And then when they reverse engineer, go, oh, good Lord. Oh, God damn. (laughs) No, I'm so, I want more people on the Atkins diet. You know, and we always, again, try to be a podcast of positivity. But if you ever need to feel good, watch his podcast series on YouTube. He's great. He's when so he, positive. When he fanboys out over with Cynthia Rothrock, ah, it's golden. It's and, golden. And anytime you see anything with, he's just a genuinely good dude. Yeah. You know, you never heard about, oh, Scott Hank is an asshole offset. Dude, no. You he, hear he, everyone he, rooting right. for him. I mean, it's not like Steven Seagal. Even Steven Seagal's yeah. golden days, everybody's like, dude, he was an asshole back in uh, above the law. Yeah. Right? Nobody's saying that shit about him. And the fact that more people are wanting to work with him. It, and I'm, I'm glad that, like, Stalinsky uh, and all the other cats now who are now making these big films, like, they're oh, showing reverence, like, hey, we, we got a big, we got a perfect part for scott atkins look what we can bring to the sandbox now right play. oh i'm so yeah. glad i mean yeah. that was one of the best things just to see him like just be that way at german day doing flippity kicks and shit mm-hmm. great he is to me one of the most underappreciated uh people out there when it comes to action i've sampled many a dish of the atkins diet on the i've seen that feed he's great it's, isn't oh he? it's what everyone brings something a little bit different mm-hmm but I always get the flippity kick. Yep. I'm always looking for a flippity yep. kick. You got to get the flippity kick when it's Scott Atkins. Avengement, I think, is still my favorite. Me too. Mine too. Absolute favorite. Absolute favorite. Because Boy, he gets a close second. He goes straight brawler. Scary spook. <laughs> the Red Love. Red Love. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's yeah. my favorite Scott Atkins movie. Yeah. So bring in 2024. Bring us more Scott Atkins. Bring us more Scott Atkins. Bring more dishes more, on more, the Atkins more diet. More action. More everything. I'm trying to think of what else I saw non-horror that really stood out to me. Um, you know, people give a shit, but I had a ball at Fast X. It's about family, right? I had a ball. Fucking to me, the absolute highlight was seeing Jason Momoa as Dante Reyes just being the Joker. I loved it. He even had a scene where he's painting his no nails, talking to a dead body, and like love that Momoa, <laughs> right? And so, <laughs> and be it that. That was my first official Fast and Furious film watching it. I wasn't lost. I had fun with it. And because it's family. It's family. At this point. John Cena. And (laughs) it will continue until I don't know when. Yeah. I mean, they've they've hit space. What is, are they going to go, good God, are we going to get like multi-dimensions? I wouldn't be surprised. We're back in time. You know, next thing you know, fucking Don Toretto's fucking stealing a Model T Ford shit, soups it up or something. I can see it. I can I'd see, see it. him doing chariot racing. Send him right? back to Spartacus days. Right? <laughs> it's all about familicus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, I there were even other, uh, a number of other films I know that were out there. But in terms of horror. Mm-hmm. And even looking back and thinking back to 2022, mm-hmm. I thought 2022 was a banner year for new horror. 2022 brought us Malignant. Of course, it's a great <laughs> year. There, but no, I think that was even 2021. Actually, was it? Yeah, that it's almost it's been two years now. Gee, many creepers. It, 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 it time passes fast, but that's because we've been pretty lucky. Be it from kind of be it studio horror, mm-hmm. but especially indie horror, because that's to me. The wellspring yeah. of where the good stuff is coming from. Mm-hmm. And they may not have necessarily the budget, 
that some of the Hollywood studios have, but but they got the heart. Oh, and and they got the ganjas, and they got the and then they got the, <laughs> the, the 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 spirit to do it. There's and thankfully, this year, and again, I've seen at this point. I know I've probably watched over thirty new horror films released this year, mm-hmm. and our whole thing, of course, is trying to see as many of them theatrically as possible. And there's a few of these actually. I even had to cheat on Screenland, but the time I had, not gonna lie, I didn't feel. Didn't necessarily feel guilty. Had a good time. But before we get into... And I will say, when we put together like our top five, I'm going to say more it's like my fave five. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the ones that I deem maybe technically superior. Yeah, correct. But do you want to maybe do our honorable mentions first? Yes, let's do our honorable I have, mentions. I have a laundry list because... I ha- I broke mine up into categories. Perfect. And so I got six, but three categories. Break them down. Let's. Do, what do you got for your first? So my first category is best achievement in creature features. For my honorable mentions goes to Cocaine Bear and <laughs> Megalodon 2. Those were so those were exactly what you wanted for creature features. Yeah. They were fun, they were violent, they were gory, and you just sit back, turn your brain off, and watch animals run amok. I giggled quite a lot at both of them. And even animals running amok, I will tell you this, I saw several uh, animals run amok films from back in the day from By William the God Gordler. of Melvin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, that that touch, but Cocaine Bear, I think, kind of kicked us off. Yeah, at the it was very in January, beginning, kicked it off right because it's a fun movie. It's really fun, it's, and, and it delivers what it says on the tin. And but the problem is, I think because in this, we'll get down to it eventually. I think more of a modern audience, mm-hmm. they want a little bit more grief. A little bit more sadness. A little bit of tra- How trauma. Can you have that with a term like Cocaine Bear. It's That's not- just it. It's not it's not for that particular it, no I guarantee younger audience will dig it a modern audience will dig it but it's give us something High, different highfalutin teens ain't gonna like it highfalutin <laughs> adults ain't gonna like it but people who like like good creature features and good movie you can't go wrong with either of them yeah. because like look at Meg 2 and people are like oh Ben Wheatley made trash like dude no he made a great B yeah, movie he, did. he made a great big budget creature feature and that's what you want when you go into Meg you're not looking mm, for mm. like sadness you're not looking for even that much of a realistic story it's no. about <laughs> Megalodon you know it's about Megalodons and fucking <laughs> land monsters and a giant goddamn squiggly diddly that's the great thing about Megalodon too I didn't know about squiggly diddly uh, squiggly, squiggly diddly I was surprised giant squiggly diddly oh the best kind of squiggly that's diddly. the best kind or the worst <laughs> <laughs> or the worst but at this point it was the best so, <laughs> first part of my honorable mentions for creature features, Cocaine Bear and Meg 2 were fucking great. I'm going to give uh, my first honorable mention as uh, three across the board. Okay. Uh, it goes to Ted Gagan's Brooklyn 45 mm-hmm. and John Patta's Black Mold mm-hmm. and then Jeremy Holmes' facial hair in both of those. Yeah. From the pencil thin mustache. Well, save your talk about Brooklyn Forty Five because that's. Ooh, do you have that that's on? That's on my list. Okay, now officially in the podcasting world, uh, this is known as the Bromley, as in Patrick Bromley. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna Bromley that and go back to that. That's I'm good, but let me just say that uh, Black Mold played at Panic Fest. Yes. Of which we'll talk probably a little bit we'll more talk, about in Well, no, let's go talk memories. about it now. Cause, yeah, let's talk about we'll wait for memories. Because yeah. that, we'll wait for memories for but that But that is one. to say it is available on Tubi right now. Yes. And I did have a chance to take it in. Beautifully shot. There's, there are certain shots in this film that I I, I gasped. Yeah. Like, oh. 
And were, for the parts that I saw, oh. there was beautiful shots and parts where like, and the courtyard mm-hmm. with some of the uh, accoutrements. The and well, that's just the net the the where they were at. Mm-hmm. You know, that added so much production design and just value. It yeah. was incredible. It was better than I was anticipating, and definitely in terms of the grief and the trauma. There's some of that. So I think the modern audience will be pleased. Right. Uh, this is definitely not one that I would pair with a cocaine bear. But again, that's why I love horror. Mm-hmm. Because we have so many wonderful things to choose from. So yeah, check it out. Congratulations, John Patton. Everyone involved yes. with Black Mold. Absolutely. Well deserved. Um, my next category is um, anthologies. Ooh. This is a great year for anthologies, a fantastic year for anthologies. Two of my favorites that didn't quite make it to the top for various reasons, but I loved them. Uh, VHS 1985 and Satanic Hispanics. Those movies were phenomenal, phenomenal movies. And you were lucky enough. You caught Satanic Hispanics. Oh, I fell in love with it. The at- monster at the end. The fact that it's so funny. It's it's funny. It's scary. It's what an anthology should be. Little bits of everything. Well, you saw it at Panic Fest. Mm-hmm. And I just found out. You saw I didn't realize theater it, was, one. it was in Theater Huge. One. Huge. It was great. I mentioned that because... I didn't see it at Panic Fest, and I had the chance, and I don't remember. I, I was, I'm guaranteed I was tired. I'm kicking myself because when I watched it at home, it was great. But the entire time in the back of my head, I'm like, dude, you could have been sitting there with Genius and everyone soaking in so much excellence in that from Gigi's segment. Yeah. Which. It got weird. I liked it. Of course it got weird. It got, it weird. got weird. It's Gigi's. From uh, uh, Damien Rugnas. And, and Rugnas. Rugna. Oh, and you could tell his right off the bat. Both he and Gigi's. Yeah. Immediately, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's his, that's hers. Uh, yeah, Mendez, and Mendez's is uh, the- The wraparound. He's fun. He makes fun, funny movies. And of course, Greg Gunberg's in it. Well, I was totally looking out for that. But the police siege, the way everything sets off at the end, we are talking about the elegance of, yeah, the, of the creature. Of the monster. Uh. He's, he's easily one of the coolest creature designs I've seen in a long time. Because he looks like what I would think an Aztec god of death would look like. Because I've been to those temples. You know, they have a big one excavated in the middle of uh, Mexico City where you can like look at all the mm-hmm. shit like that. And I've been to the National Museum. And yeah, I, I was like, yeah, if there's an Aztec god of death, that's what he would look like. It's It was grand. It was glorious. And was well worth the payoff i that one was not even a nice surprise i'm just i'm upset that I, again i'm kicking myself for not seeing it in the theater and then vhs 85 there was scenes in that that made me gasp and there was scenes in that that made me laugh i just cackled at some of those parts and again vhs 85 is one of those ones where like 10 years ago i'm like man found footage stupid but now i'm like dude that was a great movie that entire franchise is Basically evolving. allowing, yeah. well, it's allowing all these uh, up-and-coming filmmakers to kind of cut their teeth with a little found footage, mm-hmm. low budget, some parameters and barriers, and like, what can you do with it? And we've seen some really some good really segments really creative shit come out there. of there. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm VHS 85, uh, Satanic Hispanics, awesome on both sides. I'm going to also give a special little segment, and it might pair, you have some rollover there, of the Taken 80s premise and throw a slasher That's in it. That's my next category. Mix-up, genre mix-ups. And I was lucky enough to see Totally Killer in the theater. Mm-hmm. Oh, lucky. But I And I could have seen It's a Wonderful Knife in the theater, I but I didn't. I wanted to see it in the theater, too, but I saw it at home, and it was great. I had such 
a good time with these. I love these little like take old 80s movies and throw a killer mm-hmm. in them or a slasher with the Groundhog's Day and the, with all all that Freaky Friday. I, I there well you it goes back to to being fun mm-hmm. and just have and not taking things so seriously. Right. But at the same time, I will say and I think I talked about it um it's a wonderful knife. Very life affirming. Yeah. And it plays into that kind of it's a wonderful life segment and I didn't realize how hard they were going to lean to it. The thing I didn't realize was the inclusion of Justin Long. Really? Because again, I went in blind. I did too, and I, and I was like, "Hey, it's Justin Long. Hey, it's Joel McHale. Hey, it's Catherine Isabel. Catherine Isabel. That I'm okay. I'm so yeah, I squealed a little when I saw her. Yeah. I just did it like, hey, hey, it's Catherine Isabel. She's pretty, and I like her horror stuff. Again, I welcome presence, but She's both of, great in everything. Well, in both of those movies, like I said, they were fun and. They really pay off the '80s premise that they're pulling from mm-hmm. in both cases. I thought they did the the whole, like I said, the whole Christmas and not Christmas, the whole movie genre switch when you just throw in an element of horror when done right. It's a very fun and viable genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. I think Christopher Landon leading the way, and people oh, like yeah. now are saying, "Hey, that's a good idea. Let's do this with this. Let's do this with this." And you can definitely see, not saying that the cream rises to the top, but it's significantly different for something like "It's a Wonderful Knife" versus something like uh, "Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey." Sure, and it, I guarantee you, a lot of people like it. A lot yeah. of people love it. That's yeah. cool. I mean, and then the Winnie the Pooh, I never saw it actually, so right? I can't say anything. I saw some parts of it, and I'm like, yeah, that looks yeah, cool, but, yeah, uh, yeah. but but there's room for everything in this buffet of horror, but I think like the fact that I'm glad more people are experimenting with this type of genre. Well, experimenting is appropriate because then I've got a trio of films that definitely fall on the experimental side, mm-hmm. and all of these was lucky enough to see in the theater. Um, the first one, uh, Ennis Men. Yes Men? Yes Men. Uh-huh. I'm, I heard I would hate that movie. I'm kind of glad you didn't see that one. <laughs> I, I will say, I enjoyed it for what it was. And it was repetitive. And through the repetition, I was noticing some of the little differences. It felt like um, something you'd see in like a Highlights magazine back in the day. Oh, God. But more of a full chorus-esque. Mm-hmm. Because then when the, the changes happened... Was there Jimmy Doofus and, Jim, and Jimmy Do- Goofus and Gallant? Fuck. <laughs> They wouldn't have been out of place, really, because the movie definitely starts going a little bit weirder as you start notice some of the discrepancies be based on the repetition. So mm-hmm. it's not for everyone, but check it out if you're into weird experimental shit. Um, the Outwaters. Speaking of found footage, going back to that, that's the one. It's best described as kind of like cosmic horror found footage. Okay, where the kids go off into the desert to shoot a music video. And then something happens. The use of sound is of utmost importance in this because there's this this really weird like banging in the back where it sounds like something is literally trying to like break into the dimension. Mm -hmm. But this is another one though. It is found footage, and there's little minuscule little things that you'll see. Even in the theater, it was tough to see. And I know it could, and I know it might be maddening for some folks because this is one of those that even if you're a fan of found footage, you may not like it. Okay, it's a. But then uh, closing out with Kid Cronenberg and Infinity Pool was a very nice surprise because I Kid Cronenberg. Yeah, I like Possessor. Right. I know we broke out the dong gong in Possessor. I like me a goth. 
she is you need to watch it for her performance alone okay because by the time she's I going love when she, i love when she goes crazy she's and like i love her crazy it's just a like a, just a variation way of going genius <laughs> all of a sudden i'm sure it's a, sc- a scratch you wouldn't mind itched Me or an itch red. you wouldn't mind scratched. Right. but she is next level nuts but then once you figure out what the infinity pool is mm-hmm. and its purpose it gets weird it gets weird. I love that the kid Cronenberg, the the fleshy fruit doesn't does fall from fl- the twisted tree. It does not. It does not. No. It was a. It was a definitely an interesting one to take in a theater with a crowd. What's that other one that came out that was all experimental? And everybody said that I would hate. Uh, Skin of Marink. <laughs> yeah, I've also avoided it because it's an hour and forty minutes. If it was seventy minutes, I would have watched it. I just can't knowing, and especially that moment when Bobby came out and he sees you, he's like, "Nope." Yeah, he goes, "You're not, you're gonna you're hate not it." Gonna like that. And because I was even thinking during the during watching the trailer, I was like, "Okay, this movie is either gonna terrify the piss out of me or infuriate me beyond belief." And I'm like, "I don't know which one." And I was like, "Okay," because the, the trailer was scary, but I'm like, "I can't do much more of like nothingness without yeah. just getting angry." Because I'm like, <laughs> "Show me something," you know. <laughs> I, and there's there's just something about like if you've ever been or seen genius when he starts getting that level of angry or the frustration <laughs> sets in because sometimes it's it's your body because you'll stroke your beard a little bit differently occasionally. And I'm not saying we could play could play you again in poker, but right. I've started to pick up on these nonverbal cues of yours when the hackles start rising. <laughs> and so and sometimes it's amusing, but then sometimes like, oh no, because He's not having a good time. I'm afraid of that wrath. Ah! <laughs> and stomping around. Who's the man that, 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 that? <laughs> What's another one of your, your little segments there? Uh, those are my three main segments. Okay. Okay. Now, I've got a number. I've got a Hulu double feature of which I wish it could have seen these both in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, both Appendage and No One Will Save You. No One Will Save You was rad. I know that one really hit well for you. Mm-hmm. And I hit well for number of people it was like the movie of the week there for a while and i think and if we go back last year to pray yeah that was via hulu and that's that should have been up on the big exactly i would like to have seen i don't know about appendage but i would like i'd like to see no one would save you on the big screen i really think that would they would have played great oh my god and but people would have been pissed off though at the end though people have been stomping out i liked the end i mean i liked it as well i liked the ambiguity that was involved with it. Um, I will also say another one that I know people had issues with the ending on mm-hmm. is Cobweb, that you need to watch eventually, but wait till October. That's got Anthony Starr from that's Homelander, right? Yes, yeah. and Lizzie Kaplan. I like Lizzie Kaplan. Stephen King approved. Cool, and it takes a Simpsons esque twist. Okay, that I really really enjoyed, and I went in thinking it thinking it was one thing, uh-huh. and it turned into another, and when it turned into the other, I'm like. Ah, okay this is great so it was it was a nice surprise but i know it's also put some people off so you know what can you do um i will say consecration i like consecration a a lot that was great not what i was expecting at all but a good surprise uh shin common rider was dope (laughs) shin common rider was the shit that opening sequence when the gore and the viscera kicked in and when in we the first re- few minutes. And when we realized that every the hardcore 
Common Rider fans were reacting because they weren't anticipating that either. Right. I think that's when we looked at it. We were like, like New horror shit. episode. <laughs> right. Here we go. That was a very, very nice surprise. Shin Common Rider was amazingly good. Uh, I will see. also, uh, in terms of um, newer ones that I know hit better for me than you, uh, Huesada the Bone Woman. I liked it, but you know, it was pretty good. A little bit more. Yeah. Went a little bit more. Um. I wish I liked Evil Dead Rise a little bit more. It's on my honorable mention, and I know it was really funny. I'm, I'm just still glad that you didn't watch Demons Two before you watched Evil Dead Rise. I would have been mad. You would have been. I've been, been real mad. You were, you were, we were, you were manageable during Evil Dead Rise until the promise of Squiddly Deadly. Yeah. If you're gonna promise Squid. A simple man with simple taste. If you're gonna, if you're gonna give, if you're gonna offer Squiddly Diddly, I better see Squiddly Diddly. If there's gonna be uh, vi- evil Viagra pills, I'm gonna want to see Monster evil. Dong. I don't expect a lot, but when I expect things, I do expect them to be fulfilled. Just follow through. That's all right? he asks for. That's, that's all he asks. Is that too much? You go from an honorable mention to a favor top five, right. without a doubt. Right. Without a doubt. Um, finally, a couple of uh, movies I really dug at Panic Fest. Uh, Walking Against the Rain mm-hmm. and Moon Garden. Uh, Moon Garden was so sad. Yeah. It was uh, the one that was, uh, ha- they shot it a variety of different cameras, all practical, Guillermo del Toro esque in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Nightmare, uh, speaking of uh, Panic Fest, uh, Abruptio is still Nightmare ooh, Fuel for me. Oh, oh, I, <laughs> yeah. That's, you, you won't unsee that. No, I won't. There's a lot of things that I won't unsee or hear ever. Ever, 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 ever. Also, um, technically, as this is coming out on the 22nd, still in time for Christmas. It is a Christmas movie. I didn't realize it. It's on Shudder. Uh, Jen Wexler's The Sacrifice Game. Nice. That one was a is it good? super nice surprise. First, of course, being it's a Christmas movie. It's like, hey. And then the home invasion twist that it takes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Hmm. Totally dug it. Worthy. Well, follow up to The Ranger. Uh, Got to give some love to Renfield. I'm going to save my love for that when we talk about moments. Splendid. Mm-hmm. Splendid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, do you want to go first or shall I go first? I'll go first. Go for it. Um, especially because we already talked a little bit about it. For my number five spot, I love old school things. You know, like that, that the feeling of the old movies from the 40s, a lot of the old vernacular, you know, all that stuff, you oh, okay. know. And being a theater kid, I was all about, I love like things that could be turned easily into a play or something that looks like a play that could be into a movie mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when you take something s- that you see in a lot like a seance but you somehow manage to do something completely new and different in that seance and setting it at a small bottle episode with just a cavalcade of just good <laughs> character actors yep. you wind up with something really special and ted geegan's brooklyn 45 Gagan, sorry, pardon me, Gagan's Brooklyn 45 was phenomenal. I remember after seeing that movie, the only thing I could do was just just let out a long exhale. And like I was just like thinking about that whole movie, like, man, all the implications and even I, there's a three through line between this. The war isn't over. Mm-hmm. And that's something mm-hmm. that they said in Brooklyn 45. Oh, yeah. And so, like, oh, that would pair well too. Yeah, and so that movie, just the color, the feel, the story, everything about it, really legit blew me away. This played a panic fest. 
Sadly, I missed it at Me Panic too. Fest. Uh, I think actually I was. I'm pretty sure either had some, I was either hosting something. Something we were occur, hosting we something or doing us. something. Uh-huh. Because legit, I know both of us love us some Ted Gagan. Yeah, and thankfully again, he's one of those cats. It's just very personable, approachable. He was <sighs> my disastrous drive with Mick Garris. I actually picked up Ted uh, when he was there one of the first times with Panic Fest, and we had a wonderful conversation because I, I talked about his commentary uh, for Trailer Trauma. He's like, you you have that and you listen to it? I was like, I did. He's like, what do you think? We just started talking about films from 82. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was great. And I know this is a very personal film for him. Uh, his dad has very, this is very much one it of those. It feels personal. You go. Oh. That's the thing. It feels, because he wrote and did the, everything. He had his dad look over the dialogue to make sure it felt authentic. Yeah. You could tell a lot of craft and care went into setting everything. The, the time frame, design. Like you said, the vernacular, the story, everything. It felt like a very personal story. Jeremy Holmes' pencil thin mustache. Killed it. He? Killed it. I, you didn't realize I didn't realize when he was there. He was there. Walking around Panic Fest. He's the Ranger. We were so upset. He was like, and I told you she's the Ranger. Yeah. Because if anything, I want to tell him how wonderful of a wonderful. He's one of those presences now. Yes. And I'm like, oh. Absolutely. Jeremy, like, oh, Holm. Jeremy Holm. And then. Too many cooks himself. Larry Fessenden. <laughs> you got Larry Fessenden showing up. And. To me, he doesn't have a good track record with seances, does he? In ca- not with in Gagan. Ta- not with yeah. Gagan. G- Gagan and say, I need someone to die horrifically during a seance. I know just <laughs> the guy. guy. Well, but Fessenden is also, though, he is that other presence in a movie, be it if he's producing it, he's directing it. Right. He is just, you know. Yeah. He I, loves the genre. He gets killed off in the beginning, like mm-hmm. you're next. He adds value to it. Yeah. It's incredible. And then. Your journey with him throughout the film is incredible. Um, and Ramsey killing ooh, it, killing it. And Ramsey, oh shit. And Ronnie Rains, everyone, Golly. everyone involved. Uh, you've got um, Christina Klebe, everyone involved. Ezra Buzzington, I mean, just everybody. Just, they understood the assignment. Yeah, and you could tell they're veteran character stage actors. I think they also understood probably the importance to Ted, and then really brought their A game yeah. to elevate. And like you said, it's all about perspective. The baggage we bring, right, and how it affects us, uh, wh- what we need to address with the baggage. There's a lot of personal, heavy stuff well, going on in this film because this movie is like 75 percent drama, 25 percent horror. The but, hor- but when the horror hits, whoo, it's, yeah, when because you're so used to this, you're engaged in this drama with like not mm-hmm. a lot of supernatural. Well, everything's all in supernatural, mm-hmm. but not a lot of things are going on. Uh, but you're just engaged in this conversation, so when actual supernatural things do go on, they're so off, take you off guard yeah. because they're so visceral and out of nowhere. And I know he went out of his way to make sure everything was shot in camera, yes, and practical. He made it where he did it, where he could sell it to um, stage productions, so they could perform it, it on stage. It makes sense, and it and it would work fine. I would love <laughs> to see a stage performance of this. A live theater performance of this. I think it would just be phenomenal if done right. Genius McGee as a Lieutenant Hockstatter. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I'd rather be more. Yeah, I'd be the fessident part. Yeah. Go ahead and let me go. Let me get violent killed off. <laughs> but no, t- like I said, uh, because he's got a good partnership with Panic Fest, it's just good to know that whenever he has a film, I think Panic Fest will be part of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, that's again, one of my, on my honorable mention, glad we got to talk about it a little bit. We did it as a shutter shout out, did yeah. we not? 
Oh, yeah, we, we got, paired it yeah, with Witchboard. <laughs> yeah. Here I go again on my own. We got to get that back because uh, I, I like the, the tonal displacement of some of those pairings. <laughs> There's a lot of like surprises that we did with the Shutter Shoutout. Well, my my the first one on my, my little fave five here, I'm cheating because I'm going to do two. And the reason I'm doing two is because they both lean into the same territory. And if we learned anything this year... Uh, especially I'd say because of Nerdoween, we know when we know people like it when when people beat up Nazis. Yes. When they give the boots to the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And there were two films that came out this year that lean into that. Um, so I'm doing a twofer here with the uh, Wrath of Becky. Yeah. And Sisu. I need to see Wrath of Becky, but Sisu was fucking tight. So we were lucky enough to see Sisu at Panic Fest. Mm-hmm. And there was even a moment of which I was, part of the the whole men in sea suits if you will but there were moments in that movie that not only play amazingly well with a crowd but it's wonderful that stuff can still shock you when it hits and be it through the animal the yelp review don't worry the little dog makes it out but the horse doesn't the horse doesn't no 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 many of nazis are dispatched in a variety of gnarly nasty ways wonderfully ways and there is a self-surgery scene where the Nazi is in just, he's, he's, he's just like, he's unbe- he cannot believe what he's seeing. He's so disgusted. And the faces he's making, I was howling when that was happening. And like, at this point, I say you're seesawing yourself up. It's, ah, oh, it's ah, glorious. Every good, I've, I've noticed something, especially diving more into like, every good action film needs to have like some sort of like, you got to self triage, yep. whether yep. it be the bad guy or the good guy. Oh, Somebody yeah. they got to like fix themselves up. The Shallows had it. I watched that for the first time. Predator this year. two and Predator one had it. Uh, but the one I you just Everly said, had it. Everly, of course, any good movie needs to have that kind of a scene. Mm-hmm. But within Sisu, though, you also get uh, it's lean, it's mean, it's stylized as all get out. It's like only ninety minutes, right? It's ninety and under. But you've got chapters, yeah, and it's it's humorous throughout. Mm-hmm. There's good payoffs. It was one of those that I didn't get to see all the way through my first time at Panic Fest, and I was able to catch it back up on the big screen. But goddamn, it was fun. It's and I don't good. know if it just plays better with the crowd that way, but it's one that I don't think enough people got to see yeah. when it came out. So I hope it finds a crowd. But The Wrath of Becky, I had to cheat on Screenland to see this one. I went and saw it at an AMC a Sunday morning, 9 o'clock in the morning. That's Kevin James, right? The first one featured Kevin James as a neo-Nazi that this little girl takes him out. And then the sequel, you have Sean William Scott. Stifler! Playing a proud boy leader. And of his goons. (laughs) Goons. Stifler's goons. Stifler's goons. Courtney Gaines. Courtney Gaines? Yes. Is he flipping Becky off in like 427 different languages? He's goose-stepping in in a variety of... It listen. There's moments in this movie where I was howling. Wonderful, based on the level of violence, based on the comeuppance of certain characters. But Sean William Scott, he's terrifying in it. He's underrated. He's, I like him. In, I like him in a lot of things. when he leans into the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's really good. But the girl in this film, um, oh my god, what's her name? It's Lilu. Um, I can't. Not hold, Sobolewski. Not. <laughs> No, not that one. Uh, hold on. Lulu Wilson. Lulu. 
Lulu Wilson, she is phenomenal in this. And she plays this could not care less teen. Like normally I'd be like, get off my yard. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she's given it to these bad guys, it's wonderful. So you could do no worse than a Wrath of Becky and Sisu double feature. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you have for number four? Number four. I don't want to say a icon pretty. I don't like to throw that term out very often, but I think 2023 brought us a couple of significant killers that are going to be uh, oh, memorable okay. and going to move on forward, and they're going to be in a lot of the self con- the, 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 the public conscious, and especially right off the bat in 2023 we had a one-two punch with cocaine bear and this next movie i'm going to talk about the fact that it went viral so quick the fact that you had flash mobs of all these random people coming up and doing the megan dance (laughs) i had so much fucking fun with megan megan was a a great killer doll evils of ai stephen king approved the movie that they could have done in lieu of the Child's Play remake. Which I think still has its place. I know, I, I still, I like the Child's Play remake, but this shows you, you can make a killer doll movie that is not Child's Play, mm-hmm. to go beyond that IP. Or Annabelle. Yeah, you know, you can, yeah yes. Yeah. And <laughs> the moment when- She's the, pulling the ear, and I was like- <laughs> The elasticity of that shot- and you just see it for a second. It is PG-13. Right. There is an R-rated cut. Mm-hmm. Have you watched that one mm-hmm. yet? Just some more blood splatter. Okay, okay. A couple of fucks here and there. That's fair. But like, um, but the part where she's like, you should run. And then she gets on all fours and oh. starts crab walking at people. That was like, oh, that's scary. So like. <laughs> and it leans into, there's there's some heart involved. Mm-hmm. It's got uh, What's Her Bucket from Get Out. From Get Out. Mm-hmm. In fact, everyone involved there, it's got Ted Lou. Yeah. He's been all over horror in ways. And I laughed a lot. I was genuinely creeped out. That was, that's actually, that kicked off. That was in January, yeah, was it right, not? Yeah, with okay, Bear. Yeah. But yeah, Allison Williams. Yeah, um, was... she's really good in it. Mm-hmm. And then the special effects on display, the fact that we get this like robotic kind of-esque thing in the background, okay, that better come into play. Otherwise, yeah. I'm going to be pissed. Exactly, and it did. And it did. And it did. You get away from her, you bitch. Ronnie Chen, uh, Ronnie Chen is the boss. I Ronnie mean, like, Chen, Ronnie Chen, that's Everything it. about that movie was funny. It was and like yes, I could have used more gore, but what I got was good for a PG thirteen. Let introduce the masses. Yes. Let's bring the younger kids yep. into horror. It were great. It were great. Do you remember when we saw it? There was it was a there was a lot of kids. Were, we we almost felt like uh, hello, fellow teenagers. <laughs> but they all had a ball. Yeah, they were all clapping and laughing and gasping at the right time, yep. and and it was great. And I think that's not, that was. A- it's it's gateway, but it's not like let's hold your hand. You know no, what I'm saying? No. It's it's a proper good scary movie, and I think that if we can get more Megan later on, I think we're I, gonna. I think we are actually. Yeah. I am pretty it sure it makes sense because it leans. It's easy to tell Megan's story and just her being creepy and an evil robot. Great and the dance and the dance, the little dance. I mean, you know, and you yeah. you are a man that can move. It was so charming. I, I liked it when she's dancing, having a good time. I like killers that have fun. You know what I'm saying? If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, right? So, <laughs> uh, I'm glad Megan got on the list. That was I had a feeling I didn't mention as an honorable mention because I had a feeling that one mm-hmm. really for you. So I'm cheating again with my fourth. It's a twofer, and that is because I like. My my number five, uh, there are a couple of films out there that leaned heavy into the Mary Shelley territory. 
And I'm going to give, and the other thing is, they're both films, uh, first time feature films from the directors. Uh, we've got Birth Rebirth, uh, directed by, excuse me here, God, I hate the new IMDb, Laura Moss, mm-hmm. and then uh, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, as directed by Bomana J. Story. Bomani J. Story. You could not get more tonally different in terms of the approaches and the aesthetic. However, they would play wonderfully as a double feature. But Birth Rebirth, uh, it's got Judy Reyes mm-hmm. from Scrubs fame, okay. which was kind of my first thing of like, hey. It's oh, okay. Uh, but Marin Ireland playing kind of the Herbert West in this case. Mm. The Dr. Pretorius? Both of them have uh, female protagonists that are dealing with death in their own distinctly different ways. And Birth Rebirth leans more into the heady heady horror in a way. Mm-hmm. It's very serious. Uh, but there's, there's things that happen in this film where she's basically... It's best left unspoiled. Okay. Let's just say a sad handy and a bathroom is involved. Really? Which made me go, ha ha. But then... Telepathic? <laughs> we're not going into Patrick, Patrick territory. Yeah. But there's moments in this movie that are just heartbreaking. And I'm not a parent. I'm, you know, I've got my fur baby, but it's not to say I can't sympathize with someone going through something. And the turns that are taken in this film, but just it it's very sincere and feels very much of an A24 variety. Now, on the flip side of that, the angry black girl and her monster, you've got basically a young high school Dr. Frankenstein, uh, Layla Hayes playing Vicaria. Phenomenal in this. And she's very she leans more into the Urban West like. I'm going to challenge all the authority. Mm-hmm. You know, death is this problem that can be solved, and it deals with uh, Chad Coleman's in it. I like Chad Coleman from Walking from, Dead. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it definitely leans into uh, more of, I would say, in a way, an urban feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have basically the Frankenstein story, and there's gore involved. It's aesthetically different in terms of the the type and tone. Yeah, but. Both of them work so well telling the same story from different perspectives. And I think that's what made such an impact on me. Uh, Birth Rebirth did play at Panic Fest, and I missed out on it. Both of these I watched at home, but I think both would play well in a theater. So, yeah, my number four goes Birth Rebirth and the Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. Um, When... I get irritated when I hear the term um, scariest movie of the year Uh-oh. and all that kind of stuff. And people are like, oh, what do you think scary? What's one of the scariest movies you've seen in recent times? And without hesitation, I'll always say terrified. Terrified freaked me the fuck out. It still does. It's nothing but a 90-minute fucking panic attack. It's, it's <laughs> terrifying. I love it. So when I heard he's going to make a new movie, I was down from the get. I heard, oh, man, he's so mean, and it's dreadful throughout. It's, it's a new spin on demon possessions and shit. And even the trailer didn't give nothing away. You just see an evil goat and an axe. And I'm like, okay, okay. let's see what's going on. When evil lurks, it's it's definitely not as scary as terrified, but it's more dreadful. Mm-hmm. There's this air of sinisterness that just lingers throughout the world that he built. It, 
it's just a horrible, horrible world that you don't want to live in, you know? And so, like, between haunted cul-de-sacs, because he's gone on record saying that everything is all in the same world. It's basically like the Kingverse. Yep. So, <clears throat> the Rugnalverse. So, when you have just horrible shit, but he's also darkly funny. Mm. He's very darkly funny. It's, and I can see him appealing to the monster in you. Yes. Because the places this movie goes, immediately when the, uh, some of our, uh, Julie and Jesse, when they saw it down at, I think, Fright Fest, they immediately hit both of us up. We're like, oh boy. Remember the terrified guy? Yeah. Oh boy. You need to see this one. And they were correct. This movie is pure dread. You talked about the world that they, they built. There's that moment when they're driving into town. And they mentioned that a protocol has already begun because you notice there's no electricity. Mm-hmm. That creeped me out like nobody's business. Like it's they're aware thing. of the, yes this of is, these rotten happens. Yeah, and, and just the rotten what they do, how oh, they act, what they want to do, what they want you to. Oh, and yeah. then what they do, what what they cause the animals to do, what they cause the animals to unmake and undo. That moment, and this is where I'm. <laughs> I'm kind of glad maybe I didn't watch this one with you because I had... I was a monster. I was a monster. It, like we said, it's the second shake that really cemented for me the like, whoo! But yeah. I'm for sure you, it was like a ha-ha. Right, because the first, I was like, ha! Right, like that, that uh, like mm-hmm. shocked. But because like, it's that nice panning shot. Because I knew something was coming. I knew something was coming. You were waiting for I'm it. Like, I'm like, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. ha like that, but then it was like the, and was like, <laughs> but then it was like <laughs> that second one, and Woo. then then next thing you know, she's up there dancing around and all happy and shit. And I was like, this movie's evil. I love it. It's great. It's not for the faint of heart. No, no. And technically, it's my number two. It's it it made an effect on me. It's one of those that will find he is one of those filmmakers at this point because he had a segment in uh, satanic, satanic Hispanics. Hispanics. i'm watching everything he does that's just it yeah. i am one of those that no matter what he does it's like with timo i'm i'm going right. to check, I'm it, check out. it out so and he, i just also know i i've got to prepare myself because he's he scared me he brings he's, the scares oh. he knows how to craft a significantly good jump scare his jump scares are so well, crap now think right? about that stuff. Oh. Everything and he's so f- scary about it, but he's also so wickedly funny. Mm-hmm. And it's and he knows it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah, you guys are monsters. You're going to eat it up, aren't you?" <laughs> Kids but, are weird. So my number 3 is your number 2? Yep. My number 2 is your number 1. No, interesting. Well, my number 3 I, then. I think I know what it is. Well, and you talk about hype and the the scariest movie ever made Mm -hmm. the hype can hurt one genius mcgee it's never really bothered me because i know it's all marketing i know they're trying to bring people to the theater but the one thing that really cemented this as my number three i think comes from perspective again and from a younger audience Mm -hmm. Uh, because talk to me as directed by the filippo brothers they're youthful they're Australian, mm-hmm. which means they bring an element of edge to it, but not the edge I know you were looking for or you were promised via all the hype. Right. Because, oh my God, that, there's such brutality. In, 
I think it was when people when people use the word brutal. I know for you especially, you're well seasoned and well traveled. Brutal for us, that's Indonesian, right? You know, Indonesia right. knows. If brutal. I say something is brutal, it's fucking brutal. But I, I guess maybe my expectations are different. But also though, it's from Australia. So I know Australia can uh, be brutal. Fucking walking down the streets brutal in Australia. Everything is either beautiful or deadly and sometimes both. Look at Samara Weaving. (laughs) So that is to say then when I went into it watching it for the first time, I was probably more than anything just more impressed with just how how assured the film was because they're first time filmmakers. Although, again, something I've said, YouTube is just like a farm system for Mm -hmm. the future of filmmakers out there. But... The brutality that is involved. I thought it is brutal, but not the brutal that you're expecting. I laughed. I laughed. It made me it made me giggle. That's just it. If it at least appeals to the monster in you. Right. It's gotta be something. There's some there. sort of brutality because there. That most people are gonna be like, <gasps> meanwhile, I'm like <laughs> And that's just it. It is also bringing in a younger audience, and I did indeed see that younger audience react that way while one genius McGee was having his giggle. And <laughs> The cognitive dissonance that no doubt has to exist within those people <laughs> thinking, what kind of monster is laughing and I cannot get into I can't watch it. It's great. And that, to me, <laughs> made it fun. Did I laugh at the? You did. You did. <laughs> because there was a couple I was watching specifically. I was having a peripheral viewing. As, on my right, I had the monster. On my left, I had the poor little couple. And then up on the screen, I have the thing that's fueling both of these. <laughs> And, I just need a cigar. And then you even get like the segment, like the shunting event horizon thing that I know you wanted more of. Like, <laughs> and then even the ending, which immediately, I'll admit, it gets a little comical with, with the wheelchair and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Mac and me. Me too. <laughs> but then the ending, it's sad. It's sullen. And this leans into a lot of the grief and trauma. Meanwhile, I'm over there, pussies. <laughs> let's, get, let's go back to that shunting room. I had a vastly different experience than you, you did. You call no that headbanging? Let me show you how we do it in America. <laughs> oh, no. Believe me. If if one thing the Australians, I know they can do, they can headband. You know, you know the dude in um, Beyond Thunderdome with the thing? Mm-hmm. He's a rocker. Hmm. Yeah, the dude you have to do for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. In uh, Beyond Thunderdome. Oh. The guy that has... Really, with the with the, the guy the, the that can on it, he's a rocker. Hmm. Yeah, he he he's well known. He is well known. So, your two, your two is, is my, my one. number so one. Let's go ahead and do your number two. Uh, no, my number two was when evil lurks. Oh, yeah. Okay, so then we'll do my number one because let's see, we have Brooklyn Forty Five, uh, Megan. Yep. Um, when evil lurks, we'll save mine. This. So my number one pick for the year. I. Love a good slasher. I love yes, a yes. good fun slasher. I love when one can subdue expectations <laughs> and can be fun and still be gory and still keep that '80s slasher spirit alive, but then can work and weave itself into modern day. And I also love the fact that there is no cat trauma or animal trauma in this slasher. <laughs> in fact quite the opposite yes quite the opposite yes. we gotta love a slasher that loves kitties and so for that reason gobble <laughs> gobble motherfuckers thanksgiving was probably my favorite movie of the year way better than scream six to me and when it comes to slasher scream six was fine mm-hmm. but thanksgiving 
new, brutal. When and I mean real. Oh yeah, some real oh, brutal. There's stuff. some good practical and kills in this. Funny, 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 funny kills. I heard the monster laugh. I heard the general comedic laugh. I got to have that journey, peripheral view, and experience of the kitty scene. And I, I saw this beforehand, um, and then I caught it with you. And that moment, just <laughs> to see you like, no, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I think that's when I was like, oh, this movie has genius. Like, And, and the, the, the opening scene's wonderful. Yes. The... Hello, Gina Gershon. <laughs> Goodbye, Gina Gershon. The whole the whole opening madness and kills the the everything about it. It felt like a modern day '80s slasher. Mm-hmm. It's what I wanted, and this movie has to be a feather in the cap for Eli Roth. The mm-hmm. fact that, and you know what, I'm glad it took 16 years so he could evolve, so he could grow up, so he could master this craft to make this movie because this is a great slasher and instantly in my holiday rotation blood rage and this was a great would be a great double feature i'm gonna add um uh, oh my god black home friday sweet, home sweet home, home sweet on home. that as uh, for adding into that but no i agree and it was i think the level of humor that i should have expected but i it just worked for me mm-hmm. um and then like you said it was the, the practical effects yes and the humor in said practical effects. Let's just say there's an oven scene that you were waiting for something to pop. Right, and, and it, did. it did. It did, I'm like, bravo, yes. And then the humor, if you cut somebody in half, why not put them next to a sign that says 50% off? Why not? That's funny. That's, That's funny. funny. <laughs> I feel like Bert, I feel like Turd Ferguson. I just need a big, that. It's funny. <laughs> clever. Everything about it was fun. Everything about it was clever, and everything about it was gory. It's got a blunderbuss. Mm-hmm. A Fucking blunderbuss, and it's, it's a musketoon and a blunderbuss. They're going, they're hitting all my. It seems marks. like kind of the 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 scummy townie turns out to be one of the better characters mm-hmm. in the film. It's it's a film that surprised me because I thought for a while the Thanksgiving trailer was one of the best things Eli Roth ever did. Uh, yeah, me too. And but then, I was and I was expecting schlock and, and B movie trash. It, I got B movie gold, is what I got. Yeah. And I sub- way subverted my expectations, exceeded, went above and beyond. I loved Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving would was an honorable mention, would have been, but I knew yeah. that it was going to be on there. And, now, and speaking of new, it was going to be my number two. I knew it was going to be your number one. And I would probably imagine if given better circumstances, then I mean, it would be my number one. Well, but, it's, sir, take it away. It. It is all about the experience you have when you see the film. Mm-hmm. And we know yes, a number of factors come into play. Oh, absolutely. And ever since I knew that this movie was going to be released, I had a level of hype involved. And, and, I, nor- and I normally don't have that much hype because I don't want to be burned like you are. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I got to learn from genius. I'm but a cautionary tale. You are, you know. <laughs> I go in with lowered expectations. But even with the lowered expectations and even with the hype involved... There's nothing better when those expectations are not only met, but they're exceeded. Mm-hmm. And then you can have an emotional journey during the movie. Um, the communal experience kind of comes into play. And it's just, and then when you add all that in with the smashy, smashy, there is no doubt of what was going to be my number one movie of the year.
I'm surprised I'm not tearing up right now. Every time I hear that song, I want to smash things. <laughs> I just want to be like, rah, and rah. By the time that cue comes in oh, on I Godzilla cheered. minus I one. Cheered. When they came in, they're like, is that is that Godzilla? Then bum, 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 bum. I was like, yay! So like, and then there was two parts where I literally went, ah! That part, and then when all the tugboats, and you hear, bum, 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 bum. I was like, ah! No, yeah. I, so this was my first official Toho film in the theater. I know you were lucky enough. Was it Godzilla 85? 85. I was there. So I wasn't. I, and again, I think that's why this one hits so hard for me is because I'm very new to kaiju. kaiju yes mm-hmm. kaijun has been again one of the best things to happen on the show because i've really enjoyed the films and i've enjoyed the experience of learning about the various eras yeah and how you know the reflection of godzilla and what godzilla can be and when not only did i i remember the first time walking away i was like wow that was that was really good you know i watched it screenland theater one mm-hmm Oh yeah, there was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a reason again. Two and one, one and, two and what have you. But it it played well, and I'm like, okay, that was good. But then I kept thinking about it. I was reading people having similar reactions, going, "Holy shit, was that like the best Godzilla movie ever made?" Blah blah blah. But people were really reacting to it. Yeah. And then it was I caught it in IMAX, and oh. it was the IMAX screening that sold everything. That when those moments hit, the entire theater reacted. And I could I saw multiple generations of people that you know Godzilla has been part of their lives. Mm-hmm. Seventy-five fucking years. I felt part of it in a way then that first time, and just seeing people, I could tell they were welling up when the dun 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 dun. Hit. Uh-huh. And that's you know originally was the Godzilla theme, and now all of a sudden we're rooting to go against them because Godzilla is terrifying yeah, in this film. He's a- fucking monster in this movie like he, literally just just he's he's like fuck you fuck this he's like the bad <laughs> gargantuan cool. yeah. he's like the bad gargantuan the words get caught in your throat the words were caught in my throat because i was t- the 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 multiple boat sequences this movie is leans hard into the spielberg mm-hmm. and it's better for it but those moments when he's following them that's Genuinely terrifying scary that was the gargantuan moment the the ginza sequence when we get that that the first real instance of atomic breath, yeah, that just the mushroom cloud, and how terrifying would that be? Like right after everything just happened, it's horrible. The fact that they said it right after the war, I think, was a good choice too. There's moments where they're like, "I don't want to see Tokyo on fire again." Mm-hmm. The as one of the things I've learned in the Godzilla films is you're you're gonna get your smashy smashy, right? But it's the human element that can really make or break and make it like a really good film. And see, normally in other Godzilla movies, it's always bureaucrats or military that are and, and or top scientists that, that are yeah. coming up in here. And this one, the there's a scientist. He's not the top. He's just a, and and everybody else is just the it's, community it's ground level getting together and like we got to do something because the military is not going to help. It is so pro lot. Pro, that sounds awful. Pro human spirit. Yes, it is so life affirming mm-hmm. and finding purpose. And like, yeah, the five those five words is your war finally over again with that and Brooklyn Forty Five. There's again, and that's why I think those kind of movies they 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 hit with us. See, you can have movies that deal with grief and sadness and trauma in the past, but you don't have to hit the sadness. Well, this throughout. One- I mean, don't get me yeah. wrong. There's some there's some great 
life affirming things. There's even parts that kind of made me like, <laughs> like the, with the ba- with I've said it before and I'll say it again. There's nothing cuter than little fat Japanese babies. Yep. And so and the goof crew involved in this and one. And his goof crew. They're it's, like, what the fuck are you doing? She, you, she's got a perfect life for you, and you're being stupid. This movie is all about finding your community, your film family, the goof crew, whoever it is, the people that make you better, mm-hmm. that make you want to be better, and that support you and your cheerleaders. Find those people, and yeah. that's what I loved. And then Godzilla. Godzilla being this force of nature that by the time they defeat him in a way, I was cheering for them. And then the other moment hits where I started bawling. And I watched this. I went into Theater 3. This was last Friday before Ricky O, the story of Ricky. By the way, goddamn. But I watched the last like 30 minutes of it. And I just snuck in Theater 3, so it's a little smaller. And I got to watch those moments when you get Godzilla come back up, the music kicks in, the other music kicks in, and I, I start crying again. And I... I get emotional now with this, and I'm forever grateful for you for introducing that to me because I don't think this movie would have made the impact it did without really delving into Kaijun the way we have. So, yeah, of course, this is like number one horror movie, number one regular movie. Godzilla minus one for me is believe the hype. Like yeah. Public Enemy says, don't believe the hype, believe the hype. It was it's amazing. Like I said, I want to give it a second try at home. I think for <laughs> me... Your- I the think sugary the cereal. cereal with everything, I think it's going to be perfect. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Now, from movies to moments, mm-hmm. one of the things we like to look back are the uh, moments that made quite an impact on us. And my first one, and it, Panic Fest is always part of this. Right. Panic, that's what we say. What do you make at Panic Fest? Your memories. Absolutely. And the memories made this time. <laughs> And the reason why we weren't able to watch Black Mold initially was uh, the trio. I'd like to think the can the Cannonball Runners, uh, yeah, uh, the the Victor, uh, the JJ, and the, the Doctor Van Helsing. Where's it going? Mount Baldy Genius and I helped this guy out of the Super Mario Brothers screening. <laughs> yeah. just because it's Mario, you shouldn't mean to eat mushrooms. Uh, he had a bad, bad reaction, mm-hmm. and this all occurred. We helped the guy out and missed the black mold screening, but it was memorable. We got to talk to John about it, yeah, which was great. And of course, John, being John, was like, "Oh, that was amazing! Thanks, guys." Kato's you know, rad too. But everyone involved with that, and then being able to again actually get to wax their car mm-hmm. for a bit, and knowing all the work involved in that. So even having. That access, in a way, yeah. is appreciated, and to be able to kind of celebrate with all of them, uh, and being able to help that person, you know, because like, well, yeah, especially that poor, you guy. know, that poor guy and his buddy. Oh, I don't want to call the cops. You got it, dude. Tell you what, we'll compromise. We'll at least call medics. Yeah, because he was kind of in a bad way. He, yeah, he was both, in a bad they're way. They're both in bad ways, but at least we got that dude now, the help he needed. The help I needed then was actually the opening night mm-hmm. because when you can have a Nick Cage film open up Panic Fest, and this did, this could have easily made my top my fave five, yeah, because of the communal experience of it. Because there's moments in Renfield that our audience they were hooping, they were hauling, they were cackling. Yes, the X-ray shot, the yeah, X-ray shot. That by the way, get a lot of love to. Street Fighter got a little mm-hmm. love on that. I loved, but that moment when he does the elbow drop and splits the guy in two, I mean, people—it was incredible. People were laughing at all Such the right wonderful spots. Wonderful gore. And then I get out going, "Oh, that might be my favorite film of the year." And I know I should never do it, but I went to social media. People were bagging on it, saying it's an awful film. I'm like, "What the hell?" What do people expect? Same thing with Meg. Meg it, too. Like, I don't know what people want. I don't know what they want, but and I know that that. 
panic fest environment can change the way I view films True. or experience, but I think it's for the better. Yeah, it, absolutely. It enhances those absolutely. movies. I had a ball with Renfield. Oh, Renfield was a blast. And then even then- And we had a ball with Sisu. Sisu was, because we had the men in sea suits. Mm, yes. And no phones. Okay. And then people are like going like, what's going on? We're like, we don't know. Right, like, right. don't ask us. Right. We just host here. <laughs> but it added to the kind of the, the atmosphere mm-hmm. to it. I would even argue, uh, thank God it's Friday. Was a blast. It was a hoot. It was a hoot. The Leatherman. The... And Jeff Goldblum being skis. Just, that's late 70s gold blue. Right. Oh, is that the camera on? Oops. Oops. Uh. No, the leather man is a way, it's a way of life. It is. Like it quite is. literally. It but, is. And then I think also just having everyone there. I know film family member Marie, it was her first Panic mm-hmm. Fest. And it's where the film family comes together. So it's just those little kind of moments that, and what's really funny with John Pata, be it from, um, uh, Patty Murphy in his initial introduction. Yeah, John's always around. There's something always going to happen. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, and the game of games was fun. Oh, <laughs> team four, go team four, team four, and then we're giving away the answers. I know that one. Yes, that was oh, a great time. Because I also remember that you shook me because you're like, and I was like, no, I can't do it. I'm old. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it was. We brought something back specific. Listen. We're waxing the car of one John Paddock because he is an amazing human being, but we literally brought back a specific question for a specific segment Just for him. John yeah, that's what we do. He's that's a what we do. Dude. He's an amazing dude. He's an amazing dude. What was another amazing moment from your 2023 genius? I got to say, from 2023, it's not often this little piddly podcast gets talked about other than us. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> and then even I have a hard time. Like, right. Going, well, uh. Right. But. I got to give a huge shout out and huge thanks to all the people at the pitch, mm-hmm. uh, to John Pata and to Katie for that wonderful article that they did about us. Now, and you talk and about that came right at the time, right, <laughs> right at the time, like after, like right when my mom is having a heart attack, I'm in the hospital, and so with her, and so like that couldn't come at a better time. And listen. I'm I'm the first to self-deprecate. I love what we do here. Mm-hmm. But we are one of a bazillion right. horror podcasts right. with two dudes talking. We ain't that. unique. Not at all. But yes, it's nice when from your work with the Kansas City Horror Club and a lot of the charitable work that you guys do to the stuff we do at Screenland, occasionally, sure, it's nice to say, hey, look at these guys. Right. I'm uncomfortable as all get out with it. Of oh, course. and I want it. I and crave it. And that's just it. it. I crave <laughs> that's it. That's just it. So... I know you needed that particular one, and it was really nice because, if anything, it got to kind of highlight how horror has always been part of your life, from your elementary school shenanigans (laughs) to the current day. And I think hopefully more than anything, I hope it shows an appreciation of what we have at Screenland and that we really, you know, we're not complacent with it. That is one of those things that we legit love, and we hope we can add value to whatever is put on there. to put on for people. You know, we want everybody to have a good time. But that came out right at the time that I needed it, and it was a wonderful article. And, like, yeah, it was a blast. I I really appreciated that one. That was, it warmed my heart. It did. (laughs) And and there were certain times this year where certain things happened at just the right time. Right. And we'll get into that down the the later. The universe provides. Occasionally we'll do that. Mm -hmm. Occasionally we'll do that. Well, my, my number four, actually, was I was uh, in Lawrence, uh, taking in uh, Claudio Simonetti and Goblin, or his version of Goblin, uh, for their uh, take on demons. It was the first time they did it, and we've been lucky enough, we've seen him do a couple of things at yeah. this point, 
it's always amazing. It's always rad as shit. It's it's just live music happening with the movies, but I was up in Lawrence. <laughs> Fruitsy told me to stay away from the cat hole, so uh Thankfully, um, <laughs> I, in fact, I'm sure some Simonetti looked at me, looked, and he's like, look, and he's normally with that other guy. Where's that other he's guy? Not, he's not here with the kitty cat holes. Okay, okay, then I perform for you now. <laughs> I got a few side eyes that night, and actually, because a lot of it was like, hey, where, where's Genius at? And it was during the midst yeah. of all that, and I was like, hey, send him some love. And I'd like to think the, the good time I had, I was able to put out some, some good vibes to you, mm-hmm. because I was already... The, the demon score in the soundtrack is one of our favorites. We love demons in of itself. Uh, but what I wasn't anticipating and what and why this is one of my top moments is I wasn't aware that they were actually going to be playing snippets of the actual soundtrack. So when the Motley Crue song hits, they're playing it. I'm like, holy shit. And then Claudio is playing the vocal parts on his on his keyboard. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. rad as all get out. Oh, my God. And then Iron Maiden's Flash of the Blade hits. And I hear this, nah, 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 and I'm like, <gasps> I literally went, oh my God, out loud. And I'm like, they, and they blasted it. It was incredible. And that that song comes up multiple times yeah, in does. the movie. Yeah, it does. So multiple times, nah, 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 and I was like, and I was rocking out. Nice. It was incredible. Of course, they played their set afterwards of their greatest hits, but it was, there's something about not knowing that that was going to be part of yeah. the set in a way. It's that surprise that just made it that much sweeter. So that was definitely the, the uh, flash of the blade moment. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, as per usual, this Nerdoween was <laughs> fantastic. Four words. No, five words. To Blumpkin or not to Blumpkin. Blumpkin. That's on my moments, and that is the moment for me that I felt the energy in the audience. We were all anticipating. Boo this man! We get to a bathroom sequence. We see some nasty, gnarly things happening. But then the moment happened. and Where's, the, was, where's the Blumpkin? It was so funny because I legit felt it. I even did. Did I do a full turn to you or did I, I mention I think so because I'm even thinking. I, I even said, where's the Blumpkin? Where's the Blumpkin? <laughs> Normally, I'm not, I'm not looking for, for a Blumpkin. I'm not looking for a Blumpkin. But in this situation, I was right off the, the bat. I, exactly. I felt bad because as one who gets disappointed himself at the ta- at the promise of filthy, dirty things. In the, right? Charlatan. And I could have sworn, you know, and, and you know what? One of the Topeka cats was like, there was a Blumpkin in there, wasn't it? I'm like, I know. Even Dustin was like, where was the Blumpkin? Is this an interview? I know. So, like, I don't know if they re-released it sans the Blumpkin, but I demand that uh, Dead Snow release the Blumpkin cut. Cause, and then... Because people came out afterwards, they're oh, like... Oh, it was the best part afterwards, because there, was the, there, was no, there wasn't a Blumpkin. I'm we, like, I know! Before we even got, like, out to say, you know, the, before the credits started rolling... Where's the Blumpkin? It was like people with, like, receipts going, uh, excuse me, sir. So we hope somebody gets fired for this Blumpkin blunder, right? And like, no... Like, where's oh. the Blumpkin? How many more times will we get to the Blumpkin? And so <laughs> on and so forth, right? But, like, no, people came out like, there oh. wasn't a Blumpkin. I'm like, I'm telling you, there was a Blumpkin. It, there was a Blumpkin. And Dead Snow played perfect. It was my first time viewing. Sans the Blumpkin. But it was just to feel the energy. Like, I lit. And we were in the very front, and we were packed for Nerdoween. We, we went to Nerdoween. Oh, it was legit. Like I said, I don't know if I legit turned to you or if I did a peripheral of going, uh oh. Mm-hmm. I think we just what happened. I was waiting for people to bring out the tar and the feathers and shit, and all of a sudden, like fucking rotten fruit comes out. Like I'm singing Barbara Seville and a little rascals. Uh, uh, boo! Oh. 
Well, it set the tone nicely for Nerdoween. Nine? Mm-hmm. Nine. Uh, then going with, uh, of course, the green room, and then closing out with Overlord. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I think, maybe too much of the Nazis. It was just, you know, I don't know. It was a lot of it. I think because I think because Overlord is fun, but it's not fun. 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 You think maybe we should have closed out with Dead Snow? But I know. But we always it's it's always tough to figure out because you want to start strong and you want to end strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think if we would have closed out with Dead Snow, that might have played better. We, but I'm not saying that everything it didn't. Play oh no, good. it was wonderful. It was like fucking. It's it's Dead Snow, Green Room, and Overlord. Those rad ass movies. It's really good. But I think I don't think there was too much Nazism. I think it's just like maybe the wrong order. Yeah, that's fair. And we we always have programmer's remorse. Yeah. At the end oh, of the day. always, always. I can't wait for ten though. I was gonna Fucking ten's gonna be the shit. That is to be said. We are definitely putting together Nerdoween ten at this point. We have a number of things uh, almost penciled in at this point. Yeah. Now staying with Screenland and just staying with Friday Night Frights. One of the things that I've really grown to enjoy is the kind of the the cultivation of the community and the Friday Night Fright film family. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, the conversations that happened before and after said films, but it's just hearing and feeling the reactions. I'll point out the Phantom of the Paradise screening. Yeah, that was so good. With the, with the full costume and everything. The, um, the Conjuring screening with uh, the Perone. She, she is that a, was great. She is a spitfire. Yes, yeah, she is. She, yes, she is. And the fact that people get to experience these movies. Like we said, there is... like we're. We're genuine when mm-hmm. we talk about how excited we are for people to see these movies in the theater, especially first timers. And I think that's the the most the biggest joy I get yeah. out of all this. Seeing how many people. The, again, the true the celebration time. of that and being kind of jealous with a lot of mm-hmm. these. But then also feeding off of that energy, especially when you can see and feel the reactions. Ricky O, the story of Ricky. Ricky O was great. That was one of those that I knew by reputation, mm-hmm. but Seeing it the way we saw it, if I would have seen it by myself down in the basement, it would have played wonderfully. It would have played great. But the reactions, the the porn in the background, when people, all the porn, when all the poor people started, you could hear when people started noticing things because you see like a little, yep. <laughs> and it would pepper throughout. Oh God damn it! It was glorious. Mm-hmm. Uh, even uh, we talked about we hit four hundred episodes. Our very first episode was starry, starry eyes. eyes and the fact we got to show starry eyes we were able to incorporate uh, disturbing behavior was another was one glorious so that good i and what's really funny when we're always putting this stuff together is what's going to bring a lot of people out uh-huh. what's going to be the one where it's like you me and dupree, dupree maybe yeah. right i was really surprised on the disturbing behavior turnout it was great uh film family member caroline was there but we are definitely getting a number of regulars there mm-hmm. like truly of the friday night fright film family um, and getting a lot of newcomers as well. And I, we get a lot of walk-ups, which is great. Yeah. And I, I'm just, it's fun because I'm hoping these are people that become the regulars. Yeah. Because Become some, the patron, the, 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 the parishioners. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing, ideally, also is cultivating good theater etiquette. Right. <laughs> and my, that's the, important. It's, Every, it's way more important than people realize. Every time I go, even at Screenland, if it's not something we host... I have anxiety until the movie gets started and I know people aren't going to be talking Mm -hmm. just because I also know that's why people don't come to the theater. So anything that we can do to add again to the value to it, to make people comfortable and know this is, yeah, 
just chill. Let your hair down and watch some horror movies. Because admittedly, when we watch shit here at home at your house, you know, that's why I I enjoy that. But that's, again, it's a time and a place. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love, that's where we worship. Right. We just worship differently depending on where you're at. But So thank you to everyone that has come out for Friday Night Frights. Thank you for Screenland to allow us to continue to uh, do Friday Night Frights. Was Death Game 2023 or or late 2022? That was the previous year. Okay. Yeah, no, because that... And to see, if it wasn't for that, I would not have seen your journey where you were ready to bring the house down. You were going to burn this yeah, place. Burn the motherfucker to the ground. And then ASPCA comes in. Saves the day. Saves the day. And literally the best part, because you let out a what the fuck. And it was it was appropriate. We were getting ready to close up. It And that's the kind of shit I enjoy and I think of when I'm go back to these movies and again people have now stories about this like we throw that kind of if i put that throw in the friday night fright mix right people will riot yeah or anguish bring me his eyes and it becomes part of the show right it becomes part of the vernacular and that's what i'm thankful for it's always kind of funny when something like like at the when we were talking about it, when something terrible happens and i laugh you hear people like <laughs> he's laughing at something monstrous or even worse you and your your monster, your army of <laughs> monsters out there. I know there are There's many of you out there. There's been a few times where I've been laughing at other stuff, and other people are laughing at the same thing. I forgot what movie. It's your people. I forgot what movie, Friday Night Frights, but I remember sitting there and being like, ha, ha, ha. And then other people were like, ha, 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 ha. Like, good. You're, good. Your influence stretches far, my friend. <laughs> uh, uh, summoning at Crypticon was interesting. That was weird. That was f- fun and weird. So if you go back, I believe we were talking to Nick and Julie, or was the no? It was that no, was uh, Katie. It was Katie. It's Katie. Because so we hear Rattles Dominus. So if you go back to the Panic Fest Dispatch episode, that was well. That's why I love it. Crypticon. Crypticon episode. The dispatch is there. Um, yeah, you can hear it going on in the background. We thought we lost you for a while. In fact, actually, I kind of was like, well, Katie, if he doesn't come back, you can be my, you can be a co-host. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and that's. We actually had a really nice suite. We need to do that again for mm-hmm, next that year. That was a fun time. I yeah. hope we can do it like that one time when we were when it was right next to the kitty cat convention. Oh, that was the with all the dogs. Yeah, with the dogs. That's yeah. pretty grand. That is pretty yeah. grand. So, and maybe this is just recency bias, but my last little memory here for 2023 comes from our latest Christmas with the nerds, mm-hmm. which was basically a nightmare junkhead Christmas. Oh, before we get into that, nightmare oh. junkhead Christmas. Um, one of the things that really uh, sparked my thing this is all about timing timing mm-hmm. is very important timing oh. is timing is really <laughs> can make or break a day can make or break you know life long, yeah, yeah <laughs> the long the long game um and to say that this past october on forward has been kind of rough has been an understatement but i was having a bad shit day and i was like a friday night friday and i was like half ready to cancel because i was like <laughs> but there's Roxy and Micah, part of the Screenland gang, and they are rocking Nightmare Junket t-shirts <laughs> yep. that they made themselves. And that was a highlight. And again, maybe if it was recency bias or whatever, but that warmed my heart. That made me like, oh, you guys are amazing. Screenland is truly a home for people who love movies. I mean, just they're very accommodating and very friendly and just, you know, they're fucking rad. So it's it was nice to see. It was such a surprise. And I was like, oh. This, I think, is what geniuses needs. Because if, listen, again, I, you are appreciated by so many people. 
but it is so nice when, when someone goes so a many, little, yeah, does a little bit like, more. Hey, it's Nightmare Junkhead. Like, yeah. they're, they're, and the fact that their shirt said, you got to support Nightmare yeah. Junkhead. You yeah. got You got to support it. You got to support it. And I, I, I love that. I love that they took that their own time and energy just to like say, hey, yeah. we're going to make something for these to for other people to know about these guys and that was that was that was beautiful and touching that was rad so <laughs> that's wonderful yeah so i'm staying at screenland because why not because yes. that's where our memories are made let's talk christmas so christmas with this year's christmas with the nerds uh we had three sleazy <laughs> sleazins greetings and our lineup as it turned uh as uh we had we started with silent night deadly night five uh-huh the toy maker jimmy jillikers and it should be noted, the beaded curtain was hung throughout the whole by the, whole the chimney night. with care. Yes, it was, and I would say eighty to ninety percent of the people seeing this one for the first time, uh-huh. across the board, I would say. I, I would say as well, uh, played wonderfully. Uh, the, those moments played. <laughs> Jiminy Jill, you could hear people cringe. Like, I would love you, mommy. I would love you like a real boy. Oh, be my mommy. And you could hear people go, oh, you could hear like, eh. you could hear the buttholes pucker. Just like, <laughs> oh. right. So like, uh, it, it was, was great. And when we were putting everything together, again, you t- I can programmer's remorse, what plays well, what's the order. This one, I'm really happy the way it turned out because we started with some mad cappery. Mm-hmm. And again, anytime you see, you know, Mickey, Mickey Rooney, Rooney in such a place. Jiminy Chillick. We then transitioned to, to a movie that was a first time viewing for both of us. Yeah, uh, you go earlier back this year to the Classic Horrors Club podcast when we guessed it on their show. Uh, but then we did 1973's The Legend of Hell House again. Eighty percent to ninety percent of people seeing it for the first, first time, time, which was wonderful and not as debaucherous or weird as The Toy Maker, but just as horny, just as horny, just as horny, and just as filthy. And what, honestly, to see it up on the big screen because the, the, my biggest takeaway when I saw that movie was just how beautiful it was. How purposeful every shot is, uh, how funny, weirdly it is. But again, how horny! We, you could hear people gasp when the ghost diddle scene happened. Of course, people are like, oh, because they're like, is she? Oh, oh, when yeah. they when they realize what's happening, and she's like, use my body freely, and it's like, what? And then you get that eventual reveal of what was going on. It just adds to and it escalates. It does. Es- it and escalates then when you get Roddy McDowell shit talking. Egg. Your mother's a whore. <laughs> I tell you, if you want to get rid of a ghost, just, just tell them their mother's a whore. Just talk mad shit. <laughs> so that played nicely. We got a little classy in a way, and then we closed things out. Put some class with our ass. Oh, well, we had to because when you close things out with Silent Night, Deadly Night for the initiation. Yep, a very using a Christmas. Oh boy, and and like so, and Dustin was like even asking when I, you know, why'd you put five first and then you played four at the end and like because all of our shows. The third movie is the punchline. Ideally, it's the one that should contain, hopefully, the most gas-inducing. And on the promise, and our experience, of course, going back a few years when we did the entire uh, the sequels of the Silent Night, Let the Light franchise, but it's the Clint Howard stuff. <laughs> it's, I believe you ter- coined the term. Don't fuck with me, man. Clint Somar. Clint Somar and Bug Cocky. And when those moments, and I even hit, said, I said, yep. watch out for Bug Cocky and Clint Somar. I'm giving you warning now. And when they hit, people were, you could hear See, them. I do that as a service. Nobody gave me the warning of Bukaki or Clint Somar. No, we reacted the first time. I'm going, oh, what? Oh. Yeah, no. So <laughs> was, being forewarned. 
things get weird, it, that you lean into the screaming mad George. <laughs> She's one. Did you enjoy the little bit? I, I get, did. Okay, I did. That is good. Good old Neath Hunter. But poor, poor Friday Night Fight film family member Parker and Marie and Marie had some issues <laughs> with the movie. <laughs> That's all genius. That's my I will. In fact, I believe when we started the night, we were going to say, hey, for the entire evening, either we're sorry or you're welcome. Yeah, and I'm so, over there. <laughs> yeah, I think you all know what side I lean on in this case. But that is to say, it it in terms of what it was supposed to do. It did it. It did it. So to describe basically what happened, I don't think I'm like, I'm not calling out Parker or Marie at all, but basically. Oh, I mean, honestly, no. It was I, great. It was great. Yep. So. <clears throat> In Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, it's all about bugs. So Screaming Mad George, he loves making bugs. Loves making bugs. Slimy bugs. Big slimy bugs. So he's got maybe about a three foot four life-size cockroach that actually moves and walks like a roach. Awful. And, and, it, and it's three or four feet long. You've seen it in uh, Dream Master, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, and in this one, it's all over the place. But every time that thing would come on the wall, you would hear Parker go, no, or nope. Like that just freaked him out. And then... And then here comes Clint Howard with his gimp mask, with his big Dick Nokio mask. And I just see this like disgusted scowl coming from Marie as she's turning and looking at me like you did this to me. You monster. You You put this in my head. And next and it gets worse and (laughs) he he gets all Clint Somar and you just see Clint Somar's whole face and like and like you're like, oh my God. Right? Merry Christmas from Brian Usna. Right? And it gets everything everywhere all at once later on. And crazy lesbian bookstores. Everything I promised pays off. It paid off. And again, I'm giving people a warning about this. And I uh, it's I'm glad to have seen that on the big screen with with the crowd. crowd. Yeah. And I think when we probably watched it initially, because these were both direct to video. Yeah. So to be able to see them theatrically like that, and again, so many first time viewers, it's 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 unlike a shunting in a way, the way that especially that particular scene is shot. Surprise! A lot of the stuff was side stuff from the shunting. Mm -hmm. So when you have like shunting cast offs, shunting adjacent, yeah, that's just weird and bizarre. With Clint Howard, I'm gonna fuck with you, man. (laughs) I'm gonna fuck you while you're sleeping. What? Why is that man wearing a nightgown? Like a wee willy winky nightgown. Uh, so many Santa Claus wonderful, killer, man. So many wonderful things happening in that movie. It's glorious. And then it's there's glorious. Maud. And then it, And if here's the problem though. Here's what's bad when we were both sitting there and the credits come up, Maud Adams and we both pointed and we get, and All three of us actually <laughs> like, We are we we are sick. We have problems, my friend. And then there's Maud. So that is to say, thank you for to everyone that came out for this year's Christmas with the Nerds. Thank you for everyone that came out to this year's Nerdoween. Mm-hmm. Thank you for everyone that came out to a Friday Night Fright. Thank you for everyone that came out to a to Panic Fest. Thank you for everyone that helps support Screenland. Yeah, thank you for everyone who's listening right now. And Certainly. Thank you for everyone who's like unintentionally listening right now. Like Adjacent. if they're in a car or something, like, oh man, we got to listen to these guys while we're going. Yup. Sorry. <laughs> well, and that is to say, ab- absolutely, anyone that has ever listened to the show, supported in some way, mm-hmm. it's appreciated because 
inherently I think this is kind of a very selfish thing for both of us because it does keep us motivated, keep us moving and it really is something to look forward to. Hanging but, out with your but butt I need talking. that. Yeah. I need that. And I think over the course of the four hundred some odd episodes, man, this has been something that is a, a very striving thing for me. And as little and low value and stakes as it is, it means a lot to me. Yeah. And my me friendship means a lot my friendship with you means a lot to me and just so the basis of everything that has come from everything that's comes from this podcast in terms of you know movies and memories you know that shit has not happened without you persevering through a lot of stuff but you know constantly reminding me like keep moving forward man because genius would want you to do that and we need to talk about stuff and yeah you know and that's just the thing it's good so, to get things out and it's, it, this not only has provided a great uh, springboard for our friendship where we can actually like talk and do stuff mm-hmm. with the show out the show but again it also like if we can make other people help them you know if they're having a shit day and we can make them laugh or yeah. you know make somebody's day a little bit brighter or give them something a recommendation for a movie that they're gonna love mm-hmm. you know that's another reason why we do this i mean it's selfish because we want to i know that i love hanging out with you that's just it you know it's- you're a, you're my, one of my best friends bar none and so i can easily say that and then being able to something to look forward like oh i'm gonna get to hang out with greg and we're gonna t- talk some bullshit it's gonna be great it's it's something that has been part of my therapy Mm-hmm. It's been part of my life for many years now, man, and it's something that is, like I said, it's appreciated. Been doing it for ten years, just it's, about coming uh, up in October. Close. It is yeah. getting close, I know, and it's, like I said, looking back at some of the memories made, they wouldn't have come from without you thinking something possibly different when it came to you know our initial introduction. Like I said, I'm forever grateful for that. And it's it, like I said, it's it's appreciated. So thank you, thank you, and thank you, and of thank course. you yeah. guys. Out yeah, there. thanks for all any all of our pallies on Patreon, past, present, future. It's yep. sincerely it we we enjoy an audience of one or audience of none. We're going to do this because it's fun and it is still fun. Mm-hmm. Now speaking of fun, we are going to be closing out 2023 next week with a New Year's appropriate movie. Yeah, that's not Terror Train. No, we yeah, did yeah. that last year, and not New Year's Evil. <laughs> we did that the year before. <laughs> <laughs> One down the line, checking all the lists. <laughs> but it's one I actually haven't seen in quite some time. Me neither, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's through a filmmaker who I just saw their first feature film for the first time this year. So we'll get back to that. So until that time, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. I promise you next time I promise a Blumpkin, I'll deliver a Blumpkin.